It's February 5th, 2019, and this is indeed the Fritz Cast. I am back from vacation, ladies and gentlemen. And you ever go on vacation? It seems like every time I go on vacation, it's never long enough, right? While I'm at vacation, while I'm there, while it's happening, it's happening at a pace that I like. It's not just flying by. It's, you know, time is dragging the way that I want it to. I'm enjoying laying back and, you know, not having that, uh, you know, responsibility. You know, just just enjoying yourself in the company. Like, you know, me and my wife, this, this wasn't like, this wasn't like a typical weekend, you know. You go to the mall, you go to Best Buy, you look at something that you probably shouldn't buy, but you sit there and you debate whether or not you actually want to buy it. You're like, eh, you know what? We can afford it, and this is why we should get it. You know, you don't, you don't make this list of... Th- you don't make this list of pros and cons and whether or not you have the money to spend and, and don't. You're on vacation. You just you just spend it. You know? Oh, we need these we, we, we need these souvenirs, you know? We need to remember this occasion that we weren't working, you know? We, we, we need this uh, we need this really expensive item that says, you know, Florida on it because we were in Florida. And that way people can know we were in Florida. And we could see it and go, hey, remember when we were in Florida? Why aren't we there now? So, we I mean, that's where we were. We were in Florida, by the way. And uh, Universal Studios, in fact. And it has been so... I can't even remember the last time that I was in Universal Studios. It was years and years ago. Middle school, I'm thinking. Uh, I know it was a school band trip. The, 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 the Cab Calloway School of the Arts Middle School Band was in a competition down in Florida. And that's why, that's what, school field trip, mind you. So, you know, why did you go to a school of the arts? Oh, yeah, because field trips, assemblies, all cut into the the regular monotony of school. That's why. And you could take field trips to go to freaking Disney and, and Universal Studios and all that. Uh, I think that was a school field trip. I might have to, I don't know, I might have to do a lunch with my mom and refresh my memory because... I'm th- I'm thinking it's linked to the school field trip, and I remember going on things like Terminator 2: The Ride, uh, Terminator or Terminator 2: 3D is what it was. It was a movie. It was a movie show experience. It wasn't a ride. Um, I remember going on Back to the Future ride, and I'm uh, everybody. Everybody who knows me knows I'm a pretty big Back to the Future fanatic. Um, and I'm so mad. I'm so so pissed off that. I don't even think Back to the Future, the ride, exists anywhere anymore. I think it's just been completely dismantled and chucked out. And it's sad. The only thing that's left in the park is the DeLorean that was in the line queue. They they kept that, and they kept the train from Back to the Future as well. And uh, so that was that was fun to see. But uh, it, it's having it having been years since I had gone, park's completely different now. Uh, completely overhauled. Obviously, the big selling point is the Harry Potter, the wizarding world of Harry Potter, um, which my wife was was so ecstatic to do, uh, to check out. And even me, as a, I, I guess you could say a casual fan, yeah, I grew up with the books and I read them and saw all the movies. I'm not, I'm not some diehard that needs to go on um, the websites and figure out my house and and my. American Wizarding School house equivalent and all that. Like, there's people that do that. 
And yes, there there was a ton of people, by the way, walking around the park in the robes with the wands and all that all that jazz. And no, they were not park people, as in you know paid employees or whatever. They were just people that were there. Uh, there's shops upon shops upon shops of paraphernalia from the movies and hoodies and sweatshirts and scarves and socks and all that crap. It's all there. Uh, but the the replication that they did to build this little like uh, wizarding world, one of them's Hogsmeade. That's that's you know it's nothing but shops, nothing but shops and butterbeer and and a bar. And I did have one alcoholic drink, uh, Dragon Scale, which was some amber red ale that was actually pretty damn good. And it's only brewed for the park. That's the sad bit. Same thing with the butterbeer. The butterbeer is freaking delicious. Uh, I, it's probably nothing but butterscotch, sugar, and cream melted together and blended into a drink. We had the hot butter beer. That, that, I'm telling you, that was to, that was to die for. There's probably people who have IVs of that hooked up, uh, as their last will and testament, uh, as they die, just because that's how much, that's how much joy you'll get from drinking a cup of hot butter beer. From the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, <laughs> the 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 rides that they have there, um, they they're all the thing I love about Universal Studios versus like Disney or something, uh, is that Universal Studios is more geared toward like the young adult and adult, you know, like teenagers go to Universal Studios because it's cool and interactive and and, and on that level, adults go because it's cool, like you never had that kind of ride before in your life. And, I mean, even the little kids... The little kids probably don't appreciate it as much because of technology and where where the world is today and all that. But they still find it cool. But you know what I mean. Like Disney. Disney's Magic Kingdom geared towards kids. Everything is a kid's ride. Universal Studios, everything an adult can get on and enjoy. That's what I'm talking about. Um, We did the, the Harry Potter... What was it? Uh, the Forbidden Journey, which is through Hogwarts Castle. You actually go. The line queues for the ride are underneath the giant replica castle, which you can see from from pretty much anywhere in the park. It's huge. the uh, The line queues are literally scenes from the movie. Man, just carved out, replicated sets. Very impressive. Attention to detail. Uh, according to. Uh, According to one of our Uber drivers, I have something to say about Uber and, and Lyft in a second, but according to one of our drivers who was dropping us off there and works there as a security detail, uh, he told us when they were doing Harry Potter World uh, that J.K. Rowling was there and would periodically stop in and inspect the work and, and you know, she would she would you know, she would be the authorization. She would be she was the one Given everything the thumbs up or the thumbs down. So that's how much attention to detail went into recreating these towns and these line queues and these rides and all that. She was there every step of the way. So it is... To say that it's fully immersive in Harry Potter through and through is an understatement. I mean, you go there, you're in Harry Potter world. You are in Diagon Alley. You are in Hogsmeade. You are on the Hogwarts Express. That is, uh, it's pretty impressive, and it's, it's, I'm not gonna lie, sidebar, it's getting me really excited 
for Disney's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge is going to be in Disney's Magic Kingdom or something. It's going to be in one of the Disney parks. I think it's Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, and it's opening this year. Later this year. I don't know the exact opening date. I do know that the tickets are sold out for it. Uh, I do know that uh, for other reasons that we're going to talk about in a minute. I'm not going to go there for you know probably a couple of years to come. But I'm excited for it. Because if Disney puts that much attention to detail into that world that Universal Studios did for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, that's going to be a pretty bitchin' theme park. Let me just let me just say. It's going to be pretty bitchin'. All right. So uh, all, all the rides, though, all the rides are like 3D, 4D, interactive. Like So the Harry Potter rides really aren't roller coasters as much as they're Interactive movie roller coaster light. Like, you're definitely on a track. You're definitely in a cart. You're going around. But most of it is the 3D, 4D, and scenes that they built that you're being, you know, rushed through. Uh, the Forbidden Journey, you're flying through it. They, they, you know, I think it's Hermione, like, enchants your cart as you're leaving the the entry station. And your cart starts flying, and it literally bounces around and flies up and down and into these magnificent scenes that they built. Um, and, and these these 3D and 4D um, elements that are just amazing. The, the Forbidden Journey ride is the one ride that you don't have to put on um, those 3D goggles. Um uh, like a bunch of the Universal Studios rides, the the older ones, the ones that were you know built a couple years ago, or not up to snuff. Uh, Forbidden Journey was built like last year, I think. It has no glasses and it's still 3D. It's just it's impressive how they pulled it off without having to wear glasses. Then that's where the technology is standing now. Um, but even the rides that you had to put the glasses on, I mean, like they were fun, interactive, different. Roller coaster hybrid rides, very fun. If you were ever thinking about going to Universal Universal Studios, uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna come out right say that don't don't think about it. Just just go, just go, go buy a park to park pass. Hit up both parks. Take a day or two. You don't need a, like a whole week there. I guess because it's January February, like we went hardly any lines, hardly any wait time. For anything, uh, and we went first thing in the morning, eight o'clock when the parks open up. Hop on in with uh, the crowds that are there. Not not so crowded there. This this is okay. So this vacation was kind of spur of the moment. Like me and my wife plotted it a couple months ago because this was one of the vacation weeks I got at work. I could complain about that. I could you know could go into a rant about work, but I'm not going to. Uh, so this was one of the vacation weeks I got. I took it because it's the Super Bowl. This this vacation week included the Super Bowl. There was, you know, a, a mild chance that the Eagles could have repeated, so I wanted to secure the Super Bowl off. They didn't. Um, I'll talk about the big game in a minute because that's about as long. That's about as much action as happened in it anyway. But so we plotted this this trip spur of the moment. Um, last week, 
in Delaware and the whole northern hemisphere of the United States. They had a, an Arctic blast or an Arctic chill. So it was like 17 degrees here, 5 degrees, snowing, icing, all that crap. Down in Florida, it was like 55 degrees, maybe 60 degrees on the good days. Uh, it was actually cloudy most of the days we went. The two days that we went to Universal Studios and the Islands of Adventure, was it was cloudy and 50, 55 degrees. This, I, I could not laugh less at this. The Floridians were putting on thick hoodies, scarves, wool caps, and those face guards talking about how cold it was. And there I was in my Flyers hoodie with my sleeves rolled up to my elbows going, I should have wore a pair of shorts today. (laughs) That's... That was me, and the Floridians are like, it's cold. I'm like, you guys don't know what cold is. They're, they're up north right now. There's places that are registering in the negatives. All right, people's balls are freezing off, and you're here talking about how it's cold. Whatever. Get over yourself, Florida. Freaking tropical climate. It was, it was pathetic, but... But Universal Studios is definitely a thrilling experience. I, I can't wait to go back. There's another reason I can't wait to go back. See, we plotted this trip out a couple of months ago. And uh, January 1st, my wife and I found out that, uh, well, we're expecting. Um, my wife's pregnant. She's been she's at 10, 10 weeks now. Um, or close to, it's, she's about to hit the 10-week mark. Uh, according to the app that I'm reading uh, to brush up on, you know, what, to expect when you're expecting, essentially. Without reading that book, it's it's just an app that tells you, you know, this is how many weeks and days, you know, she is along. This is what the baby looks like. This is what's happening to her body. This is what's happening to her mind. She's losing it. Don't worry. It's normal. You know, all that stuff. Uh, I don't want to go too in-depth with this uh, and, and dive into personal things, but... um. The last couple of years, we've been, uh, you know, we've been struggling in this department, and we were actually getting ready to do, you know, the first phase of, uh, you know, testings and stuff for things like, you know, IVF, and uh, we weren't looking forward to the tests starting, um, but it was just that was in our minds, you know, this is the next step that we got to do. But January first came along, took took an at home test. There was there was two pink lines there. I held my emotions in check for that. I was like, I'm uh, you know, I just want to be sure. And we went to the first blood test appointment. Got the phone call that you know, yes, confirmed you have you know a pregnancy. And then it was the first ultrasound. This this is truly. There's like moments in your life that you try to articulate, you try to put into words, um, and I still haven't even found a way to put this into words. But we went to the first ultrasound, and of course, this early in a pregnancy, they're not pulling up. I mean, there's nothing to see on the ultrasound other than a little tiny dot. That's the, That's it. It's just a tiny dot. But they pull up. This tiny dot. 
And they're like, that right there is, is the egg and your baby developing right now. And there was flickering in this dot. There was this little flickering. And the nurse said, you, do you see that little flickering right there? And we're like, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to miss. You have it pulled up on a screen and it's flickering. Uh, they, they're like, that flicker is the heartbeat. And they were like, it's at, right now it's at a steady, it's at a steady healthy rate, which is what we like to see. It's, it's right in the range that we like to see and all that. And watching that heartbeat flicker on screen uh, made my heart drop, for real. Um, that was that was the that was the crowning moment of, dude. We we here we are. We are having a kid. There it is, developing, and it has a heartbeat. And as I. <laughs> As I told my wife, I said, it has a heartbeat. We're responsible for it now. Um, for real. Um, it, it was... That's a moment in my head that's never going to be erased. Uh, sitting there, seeing a heartbeat register, and and it's, it's actually... It's one of the things that's like getting me through work weeks now is because we do her appointments on Friday for the checkups. And checkups mean ultrasound. And ultrasound means another chance to see that heartbeat on the monitor. And at every time, I've made every appointment. Um, I made every appointment. And every time I see that heartbeat, man, um, that's just, it hits me right in the chest. And really puts it into perspective for me and for for those of you who have been throwing out your congratulations I did post that on my Twitter and on other uh, social media websites for those of you who reached out and congratulated you know me and all that um, and my wife um, thank you heartfelt thank yous all around um, because as I've yeah, as I've stated without going into immense detail or whatever it's been a struggle to get to this point and now we're here and we are very excited, you know, a little overwhelmed. I, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to be overwhelmed. I've have, I have a whole house full of flooring to finish, uh, before September, which is, by the way, when the uh when the little tyke is expected to be due, and I'll I'll keep I'll keep you guys updated on that. Why not? Because uh, it's a fun journey. For for instance, we went on this trip to you know Orlando, Florida, and we drive. We drive everywhere. I drove 14 hours. 14-some-odd hours down and then 14-some-odd hours back uh, with a pregnant lady, and I didn't die. So, I mean, you know, I'm doing something right. Doing something right because most pregnant women would kill a man. I'm convinced. On, on a drive, they would kill a man. But uh, And my wife is uh, doing well for, for people who are curious. She's doing very well. Uh, we're very happy, excited, and... Looking forward to this next chapter in life that we've been, you know, hoping to start for a while now. It's it's it's, it's really it's great to be able to uh, to share that news and to have that going on in life for real. What's probably not so great is uh, you know politics in general, right? But before I get to that, last. Sunday, of course, was the big game uh, between the the Rams and the Patriots. I did a I did a monstrous amount of crap talk about how Tom Brady was going to lose the, the, the lose twice consecutively, 
and uh, how Jared Goff was going to be MVP of the, of the Super Bowl, and none of that happened. None of it happened. But let me just, I, I got to state, because I've got friends who are Patriots fans who are conceding that it was the suckiest Super Bowl ever. Like, my one good Patriots friend is, is still is still trying to convince me otherwise. He's still trying to say, no, it was a great defensive game. I said, well, you got to concede to me this at least. You have to concede that Tom Brady was no goat yesterday and that he sucked balls. And he said, you know what? He did. He made some of the worst throws ever. Uh, the interception was the ugliest thing I ever saw. And we won that game thanks to Sonny Michelle and, and, and the running game. And the defense stepping up. I said, all right, all right, fair enough, pa- Patriots fan. Fair enough. Fair enough, Patriots fans. If you can concede that your team won that and that Tom Brady was no goat yesterday and that his goat-like abilities have been declining... As long as we're as long as we're on the same page for that, and it's not a Tom Brady fest, then kudos to you and and championship ring number six. And I mean, it is it's an impressive dynasty that you you won't see in the NFL again, uh, or at least not for a long time, uh, because that 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 amount of success and cheating, what. Who said? Well, I don't even. I don't even know. But that amount of success just doesn't happen overnight. And that so many, so many things have to line up and work the right way. And that's exactly why the Patriots worked out uh, through this dynasty. Uh, take take away Tom Brady, put him on another team. He's probably average quarterback. Uh, and I, I'm willing to bet that because nobody's ever. He's never been on another team. He's never been outside of Bill Belichick's system. And if you don't think that there's some level of system there, you know, I would suggest that there is because that's why Jimmy G was so great when he was filling in and uh, some of the other quarterbacks that, that Matt Castle and some of the other quarterbacks that have filled in uh, while the GOAT was either injured or suspended for cheating. What? Who? What? Okay, yeah, I'm not I'm not bitter about it at all, man. The Patriots can be whatever they want. The Eagles won the Super Bowl last year against them in an unprecedented fashion in a Super Bowl that was way more historic because this past Sunday's game literally only featured a record-breaking punt. And that's all the game was. It literally was a punt fest. It was watching punters punt the ball deep into the other side of the field. I mean, they were kicking it inside the 10-yard line. Uh, almost every time. So, kudos on the punters, man. Great game if you like watching punts. Uh, great game if you like watching attempted field goals. Uh, not so great if you like throwing touchdown passes, which the last one that occurred in the big game was last year. Nick Foles and Zach Ertz and will be the last touchdown thrown in the big game until next year in 54 when somebody throws a touchdown. But until somebody throws a touchdown in 54... The last person to throw a touchdown in the big game was Nick Foles. And as far as people want to talk about quarterback controversies in Philadelphia, there's not. Uh, Yeah, the Eagles uh, took the $20 million franchise tag option for Nick Foles. He's probably going to do $2 million to buy out, or he's going to get traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Leonard Fournette in a third-round pick or Jalen Ramsey in a third-round pick. 
Either way, the, either way, Nick Foles is not staying on the Eagles. Sad, but that's the way it works because Carson Wentz is the quarterback. I could go on a tirade about that, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to because I need to talk about politics now. That's what I need to talk about because after being a week removed from politics, mind you, this is this is nice. I found a lot of uh, decompressing comes from just not doing this whole 24-7 politics thing. Right now, the Democrats are what? They're super gearing up for uh, their their 2020 uh, primary process, which in, in which it would just be better if the Democratic Party came out and just gave us a list of all the people not running for president of the United States because damn near all of them are. Like, if anybody's a Democrat, there's a good to fair chance right now that they're running for president. Because the Democratic approach right now is anybody but Trump. Anybody that can beat Trump is the option to go with. Which is kind of a deadly option. This worked out real well for the Democrats back in the day in 2004 when their motto was anybody but Bush. Uh, Worked out tremendously. Totally defeated George W. Bush. And... Oh, wait. No, they didn't. George Bush was reelected. Actually, at a higher margin than he was elected originally uh, for another four years. That's that's what ha- that's what happened in 2004. Ah, I'm always I always get those me- mixed up for some reason. But that's the Democrat approach right now. You know, anything to get over Trump. And it's sad because uh, as the Mueller investigation continues to. It seems that the horizon for for the end of that is is or it seems the end of that is on the horizon, um, and I believe what will be revealed will be massively underwhelming for all the Trump haters out there, and it's sad that we constantly cycle to to this, and that's the focal point. But yeah, this is what this is what you asked for, America. This is this is what you asked for when the candidates became Trump and Hillary Clinton, um, who to this day I still argue two two of the worst choices that you could have in a presidential election, which is how we got to where we are today. Um, and the Democrats are getting ready to go through what the Republican Party went through uh, in two thousand fifteen in 2016 because a lot of people don't you know the the, the lay person probably watched a debate or two uh, somebody like me watched all the debates watched all the Republican debates all the Democrat debates and my mind severely was numbed and damaged from that I did that for you America thanks I'm glad you appreciate it I watched them all and a lot of people don't remember the Republicans had a debate in which they had a kitty table of like five candidates that weren't good enough to get on the big stage and then a big stage of like 18 candidates. Those debates become very, very mind-numbing because you have so many people to debate and to talk about these topics. And because there were so many people, and it was a very diverse body that was uh, on the Republican platform, that's the that's probably the funniest thing of this whole thing. Because you know people want to talk about Republicans being you know 
the racist, sexist, bigoted party, right? And it was the Republican Party that had uh, Latino candidates, had African-American candidates, and had... um, I know Carly Fiorina was on there on the on the debate stage for the women representation. Um, I don't recall another woman being up there. So I'm just going to chalk it up to it was just Carly Fiorina. But, you know, for the Democrats, it was just Hillary Clinton. And the Democrats' debates were literally four people. Um, I think that was the largest debate. Four people. It was... Uh, Hillary Clinton, Jim Webb, Martin O'Malley, and, uh, oh, no, it was five, because Lincoln Chafee <laughs> was was on that stage, and then Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders was, you know, more or less allowed to run because the Democrats knew they wouldn't be able to not allow him to run because it would be bad. But it was kind of crafted for, you know, this is Hillary Clinton's time. You know, Joe Biden didn't didn't run, and there's lots of debate and speculation why Joe Biden didn't run. Um, I'm still I'm still of that I'm still in the camp that Joe Biden didn't run because a the family situation. You know, he he kind of didn't want to, but I'm more leaning on b the Democratic Party said, hey, um, nah, don't run because it's Hillary's time. So, I mean, if you're a Democrat and you love the Democratic Party and all that, and you think it's firm and fair in its election process and all that, I think that they did everything in their power to set that thing up for Hillary Clinton. So, I'm just I'm just telling you. And now, they're doubling back and having to do this open-up approach where literally every Democrat's running for, for the President of the United States just because they need to find the best one to to take on Donald Trump. And the names that they're coming up with are like Beto O'Rourke, right? Beto O'Rourke, I, I, I can't. This is it's it's insane. The amount of uh, the the amount of people that have declared or are going to declare or speculated to declare, and they're not they're not even good options. They're not even good options. It's sad. Uh, you've got ah oh, man. Listen, listen to some of these. We got Elizabeth Warren, who was supposed to be down and out because of the whole Indian thing. She's apologized, by the way, to the Cherokee Nation for taking the DNA test to prove her Native American heritage, which she got slammed for by the Native American community. Um, that should have pretty much counted her out for this whole thing, uh, because it was a big charade, and. As much as Elizabeth Warren is is in it, I sincerely doubt it goes far for Elizabeth Warren, Um, especially because she does not have the appeal for the independent crowd. Not at all. Uh, Kamala Harris, it's funny. People are actually criticizing her because she's an attorney, Uh, because she's on the side of... uh, because she's been in the criminal justice uh, system as it's set up, and people have criticisms of the criminal justice system. So she catches flack for that. Cory Booker is just a, you know, a dumb theatrical, I am Spartacus, dude, that's there for, you know, it's like he's there for the yucks. Um, Bernie Sanders' hat is still in the race, which, out of popularity, 
probably, out of all the names we've named so far, has the more popularity. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, which is actually... Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is the one that I would flirt with voting for. Um, that's uh, I'm saying that as a libertarian guy. There's policies and, and, and other stances and philosophies that I don't agree with her at all on. But her anti-war approach would win me over uh, and would win a lot of people over if it became... If it, if it boiled down to single issue. If it boiled down to single issue, I can see other libertarians, you know, pinching their nose and voting for Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, just for... Just for an example... This was um, her latest, her latest ad for uh, for 2020. As your commander in chief, I will work to end the new Cold War and lead us away from the abyss of a nuclear war that could destroy our world in mere minutes. I will end the regime change wars that have taken far too many lives, cost trillions of dollars, and undermined our security by strengthening terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS. That was uh, just a Tulsi teaser for 2020, uh, specifically on a, on a no-war platform um, and a no-regime-change regime platform, which sparked a lot of interest in Gary Johnson's camp. Um, when it came to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump last election, um, Gary Johnson saw an uptick of votes. Not not the 5% that the Libertarian Party wanted for him uh, because he wasn't really the strongest Libertarian candidate. But that's beside the point. He gained a lot of popularity for having that middle ground in talking about regime change. Spurred a lot of talk and debate about, you know, what is America's role in the world? Should it be doing regime change? Should it be spending all this money? Should it be spilling all this blood of its own soldiers for other nations? And we're at a crossroads right now in the world where there's several things going on. I mean, like, at least looking at the collapsing world around us, America included, we can at least say that it's not just America or not just this country or that country. It's literally everywhere. Every country has some bullcrap going on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, misery loves company, at least, anyway, right? So, I mean, but you got Tulsi Gabbard running on, on that platform. That catches my ear. That catches my ear especially because it echoes this from Rand Paul. I want to compliment President Trump on being bold enough and strong enough to do something no president has contemplated in decades, Republican or Democrat, and that is to end the war in Afghanistan. We've been there for 17 years. We voted on a resolution initially that said that we would go after the people who attacked us on 9-11 and anyone who aided or abetted them. We did that. Today, there is no one living who attacked us on 9-11 that is free. There is no one living who aided or abetted the people who attacked us on 9-11. By any measurement, we are victorious. We killed bin Laden. 
we have disrupted the terror camps in Afghanistan. Is Afghanistan a mess? Sure, it's a mess. It's always been a mess and always will be a mess. But now our mission has changed to nation building. I want to compliment President Trump for being bold and brave and saying enough's enough. Let's spend that money at home. We spend $51 billion a year in Afghanistan. That money could be spent at home. I've got three members of my family in the military. I don't want them to go to Afghanistan. Every one of our political and military leaders, Republican, Democrat, and Independent, will tell you there is no military mission in Afghanistan, and yet we stay. Some of the very same people who say we have no mission in the next breath say we need to send more troops there. We sent 100,000 and we completely had victory and then they came back as our troops came down. Are we to send 100,000 and keep them there forever? This resolution is an insult to the president and I will oppose it. This resolution is put forward by Republicans who say to President Trump that you are leaving precipitously from Afghanistan. How do you leave precipitously after 17 years? 17 years. We are no longer fighting anyone who attacked us on 9-11. The people we are fighting were not even born when 9-11 happened. You get the point. You get the point. We get into a war. We stay there for 17 years. We don't have any military mission there. Our military personnel is still there. And for what? All it is is money down the drain. Resources down the drain. Another bit of taxpayer dollar that comes out of your paycheck that's going to nothing for you. Yeah, but taxation isn't theft, right? We need roads and bridges, right? Or giant sports stadiums in Atlanta, Georgia for the big game to be played in that should be subsidized by taxpayers, right? That's what that's what we're living in here, but taxation isn't theft. You know what I mean? Another interesting name has floated in the Democrat primary that's setting progressives off, and I, I just love it when progressives get sent off. I, I don't know what it is. It just gives me some jolly joy in my heart. I have no idea why. Uh, <laughs> it's probably because we're so ideologically different. Um, because you want the government to do everything for everybody, and I think that the government should be very small and just doing a core couple of things for for people but um Howard Schultz he's the former CEO of Starbucks has been uh mulling over a, a presidential run apparently and I mean I kind of like him just for this this the 21 trillion dollar debt 79% of the American people want to see a common sense solution on immigration but look we don't get it and we can't get it because the two parties are stuck, steeped in their own ideology and unwilling to reach a compromise that the American people want. Our health care system is broken. Our education system is broken. Our standing in the world is very fragile. And all of these things, if a Democrat were to win the White House in 2020, is there any evidence to anyone here that our political system all of a sudden is going to change and people are going to start working together. There's no evidence of that. What, what so ever.
There is no evidence of that whatsoever. That's what everybody wants to say. That's what all you people want to say. You want to say, if the Democrats just get in, things will get better. If we just get the right Democrat in, everything will be all right. Everybody ignores the larger argument. Everybody ignores the fact that what got us into this place in the first place was government and government power. Everybody wants to gloss over that and just talk about getting the right people into power. Instead of seeing power as the problem and seeing the size and the scope of the government as the problem. It's not who you put in there. It is the size and the scope. The sad bit is that we have history that we can refer back to that shows how governments get toppled when the demands that they are made to meet by the citizens overwhelm the system and it comes crumbling down. You can see it in real time in Venezuela. I'm sure people in Venezuela love it there. Hint, hint. They don't. They hate it. They're killing each other and eating dogs. Okay. You can watch it happen in real time and people just turn a freaking blind eye because, oh, they did it wrong. They did it wrong. We're not going to do it wrong. We're going to do it right. And everybody has this we're too big to fail attitude. And we've had so much history that proves this crap is what completely and utterly destroys us. We just think that we can breeze through it. We can wave a magic wand. Poof! We w- we we wave the magic wand. Everybody has health care now. Cancer's eradicated. Um. Everybody has a job. Everybody has a house. Everybody has a roof over their head. There are no billionaires because it's immoral, according to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who wants to tax people at seventy percent of their income. There is no magic wand, people. Be real. There's no magic wand. And getting a Democrat in the office doesn't mean that this world's going to become hunky-dory. I think it's time that we start talking about reality before it just, you know... <laughs> Honestly, the the only analogy I can think of it is that there are so few... Mr. Hooper's in the world, and this is what the world's doing. Boom. All right, so that does it for me for this week. I'm glad to be back, guys, and I am glad that you're here listening, and I hope that you like and share this with your buddies on social media and do your thing. Uh, on, you can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast, Minds.com slash TheFritzCast, other social media platforms, just search FritzCast, all right? You can listen to this on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and possibly more platforms coming soon. All right, I love you all, miss you all, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>